0: Thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast today. Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give God a round of applause? How about that? Awesome. You may have a seat. Um, we're very excited to. Uh, I'm very excited to share this word today. This weekend, I got a chance to minister in um, Mike uh, Marcos. I think. Yeah, we went Marcos. We went to. Uh, Rosarito, I think it was. What? Rosarito? Yeah, and we got a chance to minister a re-encounter uh, for an amazing church that does the, the, the vision. And they have about 1,500 members, 1,500 people. And uh, they're killing it in Mexico. I mean, they're doing such a good job. And we were about to, we're doing this re-encounter. There's a bunch of leaders there. And I was supposed to preach during the Mexico game. And uh, we talked to the pastor and we watched the game instead. So uh, I just want you to know how much I value the word. Now I'm just kidding. No, no, we all, it was such an amazing time. You know, we got to see the game, but then after the victory, more than that, we got to experience um, uh, a, few, uh, a few of those talks, because many times when we go to preach, we end up learning more than what we share. Ryan, can I get a little bit of monitor, please? Thank you. Thank um, you. We have, a, we have a, a few things that we learned, and Marcos and I were talking about this on the way back. You know, it was a long ride, and we got to talk a little bit about what we got from it. And I wanted to share with you a few of those things, but um, I wanted to share with you guys the, uh, the idea uh, that suffering, and I'm not going to preach all about it, I just want to share with you a little bit of what I learned down there, that sometimes we try to uh, put an anesthesia to the suffering that we go through. But Jesus didn't have an anesthesia for his suffering. When they did offer him the anesthesia, which is that vinegar with like a mixture of it, he said, "No, I don't want it," and he rejected it. And it's not because he's a masochist; because he wanted to teach us. He wanted to teach us how to actually go through the tough times, how to suffer things. Many times we look for just you know something that will take away the pain versus learning from that pain and understanding that that sacrifice has an important role in our lives. It was such so many powerful lessons, but uh, I want to share with you today something so so key, and it is found on First Peter chapter two, verse nine through ten, which is today's devotional. You guys, okay? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, here's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna ask you guys to do something today. It's a little bit different because you guys did your destiny training. Uh, it was really cool. The the fair. Uh, give yourselves a round of applause. All of you guys did an amazing, amazing job. I'm still struggling. Uh, amazing job? No, it still sounds really weird. Um, uh, oh, it sounds better here. But, you know, you guys all did a such an amazing, amazing job. But um, there's a reason why we do this church. There's a reason why we're in this church. This church is not here just because we have nothing else to do on Sunday or because there's not enough churches out in the world. How many of you guys know that there's tons of churches out in the world? There's so many churches, but we're not here just to do church. There's a specific purpose, a specific reason why CFF exists. And I believe that the moment that we lose that purpose of existence, then we lose the power to exist as CFF. Uh, I want you to close your eyes. And today God's going to shed some light into our identity. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace. I thank you because you've given us so much so far. And if you never do anything else for us, you've done so much already. I pray, God, that your message would be received the best way possible. God, that we be able to apply it. God, that everything that you share in our hearts today, that everything that you, you, you speak into our minds, that we can live it out, God, not just make it a one hour of waste. I pray, God, that we could invest this time into the rest of our lives and onto our families. In your name I pray, amen and amen. First Peter 2.9 says... But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There's too much effect, right? Sorry about that. A lot of effects on this mic. Um, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people or his own special possession that you may proclaim. Say when you proclaim. Okay, the rest of you say proclaim. Okay, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What an amazing statement. This is quite possibly one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible. It blessed me so much because it got me through high school. There was this song by Marco Barrientos, old school song. And I remember, tiempo de vivir, tiempo de morir. It was this old school song, you know. And I remember hearing it. And in, in, in a specific time, it talked about, somos los hijos de luz. And it started talking about how we are the children of light. And how we are, we're to call the virtues of he who called us from darkness into light. And I didn't know the Bible verses. But I remember the song. And you know, when I was partying with all my buddies, doing the, all kinds of dumb stuff, I remember listening to this and remembering in my heart, in my mind, I'm part of a chosen generation that I'm a part of a chosen lineage I'm part of a people that God called to himself and that's amazing to me because I don't know if you know this but it is so different to be chosen than to be stuck with right some people are stuck with people well I'm stuck with you you're my brother what am I supposed to do right or I know maybe uh I don't know maybe uh I hope your mom never told you like my mom's friend told him it's like well if I could have chosen, I'd have chosen somebody else, but you're my son, so now you're stuck with me. Like, God, Lord, now I'm stuck with you. It's like, that's a way to raise your child, right? But I want you to know this, that God actually chose you. He chose you. Out of everybody in the world, he looked at you and he said, these are my kids. This is the one I want. It is so beautiful because the Bible calls you an ambassador of the kingdom. I thought about changing the name of the church to the embassy. I'm I'm praying about it still. But anyway, but but you know, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador. Think about this. By the way, Colombia won 3-0 today. Just want you guys to know. Yeah. All right. Now, check this out. If you could pick one person to represent Colombia, just one, who would you choose? All right. Good, good. you, you like raising your hand back there. All right. If you could choose one person to represent Mexico, who would you choose? Ah, Whatever. Ay, la barba. If you could choose one person to represent the U.S., who would it be? Me, Crystal said. Yes, that's right. If you could choose one person to represent El Salvador, who would it be? If you could choose one person in the entire world to represent Jamaica, who would it be? That's the only one you know. (laughs) You may not know, but maybe not. Maybe there's so many people out there, right, that could represent the nation. But I mean, right now we're here and having fun, but really... If you could choose only one person that the people would know, oh, so that's how all people are like that. Think about this, okay? If you could choose one person, because that's how it is usually, right? You go to a place, a country, and then they think, because they met a couple people, they think that's everybody that way. Oh, yeah, Americans are like this. Oh, yeah, I knew a Mexican one time. He, yeah, Mexicans are like that. Oh, yeah, I knew this this, this guy. Yeah, yeah, he was from Brazil. Yeah, Brazilians are like that. But who represents them? See, nations are smart. They choose an incredible person, a smart person, a person who knows, who looks good, who who showers, (laughs) you know, who has an education. A person that when they stand in front of the nation, people could say and say, wow, so that's what Colombia looks like. So that is what the U.S. is like. Americans are like this. Did you know God called you to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven on earth? Just chew on that one for a second. That you are called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. That you were meant to represent. Giselle, if no one ever meets the Lord, but when they meet you, they would say, that's how the kingdom of God is. I want to be a part of it. Am I making sense? I read this this little article. This little girl, she had a terminal illness and she was about to die. And the father was trying to comfort her and was asking her questions. He said, he's like, you know, he was, he was asking her, are you afraid to, to meet God? Are you afraid to, to be standing in front of him? The dad was going to try to assure her. And he looked and said, Daddy, if God is anything like you, then I'm not afraid at all. Think about that for a second. If God is like you, pff, then I'm excited to meet him. Think about that. Are people excited to meet God because they meet you? Are people pumped about the kingdom of God? Because there's an ambassador in front of them that represents the kingdom of God so well. Am I making sense? Yes? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this verse for just a second. We're going to break it down a little bit. It says, but you are a chosen people, a chosen race, a chosen lineage, it says in Spanish. Un linaje escogido. You're the line of God. This lineage that God says, I chose you. Number one, you're a chosen generation. When you are chosen, you behave like a chosen person. See, for us in our culture, adoption, like I remember my brother used to tell me, ah, you're adopted. And it's almost like a negative thing. But it's actually a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. Did you get that? I'm an adopted child of God. Okay, okay, let, let me put it like this. The rest of you guys got stuck with your parents. God chose me. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Oh, God chose you too. But does that make sense? That the Lord said, You have been chosen for this. You didn't have to have this good life. You were supposed to go down the negative road. You're supposed to have a life without grace. As a matter of fact, it says at the end that once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Give God a round of applause, why not? Before, you didn't have the right. You didn't have the inheritance. You didn't have the name, the last name. You had nothing. And you could say you're awesome, but you still had nothing. Without God, we're nothing. And God says you're chosen lineage. So anytime the enemy comes and tries to tell you, you are common, you're like everybody else. Who do you think you are? You have a good answer. I'm a child of God. I am a chosen generation. God chose me. You see, when you understand that about yourself, you won't behave like everybody else. Let me repeat that to you. When you understand that about yourself, that you're chosen by God, you won't behave like just anybody else. Amen. I believe that the reason you struggle with sin so much. And I say you because I don't want to say us because then you're like, oh, us. And then you assume the message is not for you. Yes, the message is for you. If I was to preach to one person, it'd be you. I want to look at every one of you because, Pastor, I felt like you were talking to me. I'm offended. You're supposed to be happy. Like, that's supposed to be how it is. So you sin not because you're evil, but because you forget the purpose of your life. I'm teaching my five-year-old how to ride a bike. And I love it because in order to ride a bike, you cannot do it slowly. You cannot learn how to ride a bike by just barely pedaling. You know what happens? But isn't it amazing how we're so afraid to go fast when we don't know But that's what you need in order to stay up. Okay, if Elijah starts pedaling, then all of a sudden the bike straightens out and it just goes straight. And if he looks back and slows down, then he's in danger. Right? Now, I'm not saying he just goes crazy without brakes. But what I'm telling you is this, and I believe that God does the same. He runs alongside you, but he says, go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. And then you're like trying to slow down. I said, don't slow down, don't slow down. I'm with you, don't slow down, I'm with you. You're like, I'm afraid, don't slow down, I'm with you. You see, because in our lives, we fall over and over. Not because you're bad, but because you fail to see how good God has made you. How amazing God is. And I'm not trying to just be Tony Robbins here. You know, he does it better than I. What I'm trying to tell you is this. It's not a motivation speech. Because it's not about you. It's about the one who made you. Makes sense because without Him, can I be honest with you, I would not want to be married to me and I would not want to be the father or the son of me if I did not have Christ in my life. Please, please understand that. This is not about how good you are because without Him, I can tell you this, you and I are the same garbage. And now you're going to say, oh, pastors, that's too harsh. Absolutely not. Do you know why? Because without Christ, you're just a creature of Christ, not a child of God. You're just as good as everybody else and everything else out there. See, it doesn't matter. If you don't have a purpose, then you can just do whatever you want with your life. You could trash it. Let me repeat it like this. My, my friends used to tell me, why don't you drink? Is it because your religion doesn't let you? Uh, no. It has nothing to do with my religion. Why don't you drink? I didn't know how to explain it. I just knew the song in my head. Why don't you do this and that? Why don't you sleep around with girls? I couldn't explain it to them, you see. But I kept on hearing chosen generation, royal lineage. Royal priesthood, literally. Now I'm asking you this. Think about the times you've fallen into average, mundane, horrible mindsets. It's because you forget who you are in Christ. The moment, this is hard for me to even talk about. Because I had a pastor who I loved so much. And he fell into sin. And he was unfaithful to his wife. This pastor was a guy who I really cared about. He taught me so many good things. Pastor Caesar told me, why this man fell, he was one of his disciples. He said, the moment this man took off his priestly garments off, he said, the moment he took his physical garments off to sin, he also took off his priestly garments. Catch that for a second. The moment he took off his physical garments to sin, he also took off his priestly garments. That, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I knew this man was a good man. He knew the word of God. He was a guy who could do so many great things, but he forgot who he was. He said, no. I'm not a priest right now. I'm just an average man that does average things just like the rest of the world. Chew on that for just a second. Do you behave like an average human being? That's false humility if you say, well, I am average. No, you're not. God made you amazing. It's like I hear my son say, I'm just like every other kid. You're not like every other kid. You're my son. No, 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 I'm not any better. No, no, you're my child. I love you so much. Yeah, yeah, but you know, dad, you know, what do I have that others don't have? Others may not see it, but I'm your dad. And I see the best in you. Amen? Okay, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. Who of you he ha- here has kids? Raise your hand if you have kids. Colleen has kids. Ryan's right here. Woo! All right, cool, cool. Now, Colleen. Um, Colleen's here from Jamaica. Give a round of applause. It's amazing. We all love Ryan, right? We all love Ryan. But I'm going to embarrass him for just a second because you're sitting right next to his fiance. Tell me something about Ryan that is exceptional. As a mother, what do you see about Ryan that's exceptional? Um, he's always just been very grounded, very grounded, very grounded and, very, and, and has always had leadership qualities from me, was very little. Wow. All right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, cool, cool. Is there anybody here? Ah, Papa, very good, very good. Okay, anybody here that's here, like, maybe for the first time here, raise your hand You're here for the first time? No, nobody? You guys suck, man. You guys didn't invite anybody to church today? What the heck? Next week? All right, there you go. You did. Okay, cool. So tell me a great quality about Ryan. Tell me something awesome about Ryan. Um, he's really friendship. He's really friendly. Yeah, good. Look at you. You could do picking out good qualities. You messed up my analogy, but good job. All right. <laughs> Most people would say, oh, I don't know him. He's just an average guy. Oh, you play the game with her outside. Awesome. Good job, Ryan. Good. He definitely is very friendly. Definitely, definitely. Really cool guy. Makes you feel at home, right? But most people will be like, well, I don't know, he's, just a, he's tall. Well, there's other tall people out there. He's handsome. You know, his friends say he's handsome, right? <laughs> of course, but somebody who knows you best, right? Who pretty much created you, man, you know what I'm saying? He's also smooth, he's like, also smooth like butter, butter. he says. He is a smooth guy, right? But, he, but somebody who knows you so well, who pretty much carried you for nine months in, their, in their, their body, would know you so much more, right? Here's the crazy thing, you guys, I, and I mean this. When you read these passages and you say, and you read a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Come on, be honest. Don't you think, ah, like that's not really me. I mean, it's me, but I don't even know what it means, but I don't know if it's me. That's for her. That's for him. That's for the pastor. It's for Pastor Caesar, for, for the one guy out there. But that part of the Bible may not apply to me. You're a royal priest. Let me repeat that. You're a royal priest. You are a royal priest. Philip, you're a royal priest. Like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. What does that even mean? See, because I have a Catholic background. And a priest has a a, a not-me likeness. Doesn't look like me. A priest is different. Walks around with this thing with, with smoke on it. And has robes. And if he's really good, he's got a really tall hat. Like, that is not a priest. I'm not a priest. But what is a priest? What is a chosen people? What does it look like to be this this lineage that God chose? The person that's next to you is royalty. Come on now. The person that's next to you is royalty. And that's not because I said it. It's because God said it. God says, you're a royal priesthood. Those are two very powerful attributes, royalty and the priest. Now, we live in a society that we don't value pastors, priests as much as back then. Back then, a priest had a lot of authority. A priest would be interpreter of the word of God. A priest would go to a place, to a home, and would not be greeted with water. They'd be greeted with the best piece of food that they had to offer. Now, I'm not trying to give you guys a hint right here. Just kidding. No, no, no. But back then a priest was not just a guy in church. A priest was a man who helped legislate. He was a man with political influence, a man with financial affluence. He was a man who people would look at and say, oh my God, this guy's set apart for God. This guy has everything that I need to get close to God because before Jesus Christ, get this, you could never approach the Lord unless if it was through a priest. Now after that, The one priest we have who's the supreme priest. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? But Jesus says, you're of my lineage. As a matter of fact, the Bible in Peter, it says that you are royal lineage. Did you know that people through you can know God? People through you can absolutely know the King of Kings. And not only that, approach the throne of God through your life. I want to kind of turn this message into something that will divide some people here, I know that. It's going to be a little divisive, but I pray that you land on the right side. And I want to call you all to be pastors. Some of you guys are like, hold on a second. Oh, I don't want to be a pastor, some of you guys. Okay. I, want to be a, I want to be a singer. Okay, you want to be a singer, I get it. But you could be a singer and still pastor. You could be a lawyer and still pastor. See, because pastoring is not a title. Otherwise, I'm not a pastor because I don't have a degree, per se, of a pastor. My, my degree in psychology is not pastoring. A Pastor's a heart. Before I ever got paid for this, I was already pastoring people. If I have to get paid to pastor, then I'm not a pastor. Listen to what I just said. If I have to get paid to pastor, then I'm not a pastor. If your pastor has to get paid to pastor, just use it as a meme, okay? Put it out there somewhere. I'm telling you guys, a pastor is a heart. Now, it's not a function. It's a heart. Some people have functions. Like I'm a teacher. Alba is a teacher, but she's a pastor at heart. Am I making sense? Hey, listen. Paige, you, what is your profession? Oh, oh, no, what is your profession? Uh, is. Occupational therapist. She occupies therapies. No, she she's an uh, occupation. What do you do, what do, you do for, 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 for money? What do you do to earn, earn a living? You have people to rehabilitate. No, you have people. You help people with rehabilitating exercises, right? They get their lives back into where they can actually function, right? Now, this is really, really cool. Listen to this. That's your function, but that's not your calling. Okay. But I went to school. For, I know. But she knows that. Paige is more of a pastor than a lot of pastors I know. Now she doesn't have the big belly of a big pastor. She doesn't have the you know the 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 idea of what a pastor is in your mind. But she's a pastor. Ask her disciples. Ask Ellie. Ellie, does she help you? Does she take care of you? Does she fight for you? Does she feed you? Yeah, right? Do you feel loved by her? Do you think she'll be willing to fight for you? Should you ever fall trapped by the enemy's claws? That's a shepherd. But some people think that that's only reserved for the leaders of the church, for the pastor of the church. What if I told you today that the reason you struggle so much in sin with sexuality, man, with addictions, with your rotten character. Let me repeat that again. In Spain, in Argentina, they say, carácter podrido. I like how they say it. In Mexico, we say, carácter fuerte. All right, all right, we, I have a strong character. Now bro, it's rotten. It's rotten. It smells bad. It looks bad. It, nobody wants to have it, right? I know that. I know that for sure. That sometimes we say we're struggling with something. No, you're not even struggling with it. You're letting yourself get beat by it. Why? Because you're not. It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're horrible. It's not that there's something wrong with you. The enemy will tell you that. I won't tell you you cannot change. I know that because I've been working in this for a while, and I see when people are defeated in this area of their lives, they no longer want to even try. But listen, please, for a second, I wouldn't want to try either if I didn't have a future in the kingdom of God, if if I didn't have a role to play in the greater story, the enemy will tell you, you're common. You're like everybody else, so behave like everybody else. You're part of the world. So feel your way through life. How do you feel today? Yeah, that's how you feel? Yeah, just let them know how you feel. Follow your heart. Doesn't sound cool, nice? Follow your heart, and yet the Bible says your heart is the most deceiving thing on the whole entire world. That's like... Wicked above everything else. That's literally what the Bible says. It calls your heart wicked. And the Bible says, follow your wicked heart. See, the word of God constantly teaches us who we are, not how we feel. Constantly, who we are, not how we feel. Constantly, who are you in the sight of God? Let me go back to the scripture really quick. It says you are a chosen people. What else? A royal priesthood. And I'm going to come back to that at the end. What else? A holy nation. And this is where I park for a second. Holiness is an amazing blessing to your life. It is not a duty. Let me repeat that. Holiness, it is not a duty. It is a blessing to your life. A girl that sleeps around, right? And I'm not talking about like, I'm going to go to sleep on this bed, then tomorrow on the couch. I'm talking about somebody who's struggling in their life and not even struggling. You tell me if that's a blessing. That freedom, that, that lifestyle. oh, you could think you're happy. But if that was the case, prostitutes would be the happiest people in the world. Yeah, yeah. Today you know that the blessing is found in holiness. It's found when you're able to say, oh, I know I'm not meant to be used as a common item. I have a special purpose. I have a, a, a specific purpose that God called me to. The Bible says that there are some cups that are for this grace and some for honor. There are some things in my house that I use for specific things. For example, I have buckets that I use for anything, for whatever. There's a bucket out there that has concrete in it. Not only has it it has gasoline in it. It's had paint in it. It has trash in it. Today's a trash can. The other day it was, uh, it was used for gardening. Everything. What if I use my children's amber? What if you were to use Violet's baby bottles for uh, painting? What would you say, Grandma, about that? You're doing it all wrong, woman. Right? Didn't I teach you anything? Right? Or what if you were to use it, I don't know, to get some paint thinner and you know, just thin it out a little bit? You're going to wash it anyway. You're going to wash it anyway. Say the toilet gets a little clogged, you know, you're just going to overflow. Give me a bottle, quick. You just grab it and you just, because it's got a little handle, you know, you just kind of pull it out. How does that make any sense? No, these are bottles that are set apart for a specific wonderful purpose. That is to have your child not die. Right? Yeah, these are important things, right? Now, you understand that. Why do you treat your life like you could just use it for whatever? I mean, your life is really not that long. Neither is mine. Tops, 60 years more. Tops, I'm 37. Maybe if I push it. I don't know about you how much longer you think you have. By the way, think is a key word, right? But our lives are set for a specific purpose. Now, I don't say it because I read a book, purpose driven Life, or some other nice book. It's in the Bible, Over and over, you've been chosen for a specific reason. And sometimes we settle for lesser callings. Peter reminds me of everybody's calling. And the calling is simple. Peter betrays God. He falls into sin. He feels his way through his life. And he ends up betraying Jesus. Now you say, I've never done that. I beg to differ. We betray him all the time. When we forget who we are. When we forget what we've been called to do. When you react in ways that you later regret and you know you acted in your flesh. When you say things that are painful and hurtful. When you look at things that you know you shouldn't. When you hear things that you know were not meant for your ears. May I keep going? Yeah. When you allow feelings in your heart of resentment and anger and criticism against somebody who honestly is a child of God. Or even a creature of God. Because you're not the judge after all. Right? When laziness takes our mornings instead of the Lord. And I get a little more personal with you, yeah. When in our families, we represent the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of light. See, all these things are sinful. All these things are. But the problem is not, once again, I repeat to you, it's not that you fell. The problem is why you fell. See, Paul, I mean, Peter is sitting in front of Jesus after he betrays him. Jesus comes back from the dead and he literally asks him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. In case he didn't get it the first time, he asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, take care of my lamb. Go be a pastor. Go be a shepherd. Check this out. A third time he asked him, Peter says, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus tells him, go to church. Is that what he says? He said, go to cell group. No? Yeah? No? Go to destiny training. No? Is that what he says? Don't say so many bad words. What does he tell him? Go be a shepherd, man. Go be a shepherd. Go be a pastor. You know why Jesus was telling Peter that? Not because he was awesome, but because he knew that unless Peter was pedaling to the meddling, he was going to fall in. <laughs> he was going to start stumbling. Peter was never meant, Peter was never meant to go half-hearted, half-speed, neutrality in life. Because in Christianity, there's no neutrality. You know it's an uphill battle, Right? And if you're in neutral, you're going backwards, baby. Either you're going forward or you're going back. The question I ask you right now as you sit here, even if it's your first time, every one of you guys in here I'll ask. And it's not your first time. You're here Friday. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Every one of you guys here I'll ask you this question. Simple question. I'm serious. Are you going as fast and as hard as you need to go towards the calling that God has given to you? For some of you, you're asking, I don't even know my calling. I'm glad you asked. Because you're looking at Peter, 1 Peter 2.9. And he tells you why you're a chosen generation. Why you're a royal priesthood. Why you are who you are. So that, verse 10. No, verse 9. So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that you will not tell but proclaim. Proclaim. In Spanish I like the word proclamar. It means to cry out, to shout it from the rooftops. That you are announcing the virtues, the goodness, the amazingness of the one who called you from darkness to light. Isn't that amazing? We think we're called to not cuss. We think we're called to be nicer, a nicer version of ourselves. And that is never what God called us to do. That's a byproduct. Because says what? I cannot represent the kingdom of heaven while cursing you. I can't, it is impossible to represent God's character when all I do is judge and snap and get angry and be lazy. I can't do it that way. When my pastor gave me the advice to get married, he told me. Don't get married to be happy. Don't get married to make the other person happy. Get married to raise a generation for God. You know what he did? He set the bar right here. I was like, I cannot raise a generation for God if I'm not loving, if I'm not kind, if I don't invest, if I'm not generous. Holla. <laughs> right? Could I really raise a child who loves the Lord and loves to work for Him? If he doesn't see me enjoy that, ask yourself the question, what standard do you have? For your next generation. Yeah. And that's a great question to ask today. Because there's not just young people. There's older. There's married. There's single. There's, there's kids. People with grandkids. People that are grandkids. I'm asking you today a simple question. Seriously. Are you a shepherd? Are you a pastor? Do you behave that way? Do you do your devotionals the way? Do you read that way? Do you pray that way? Or are you expecting someone else to feed you all your life. And you will never feed somebody else. Here's what happens. Women sometimes need to grow up very fast. When they have a child, they realize, ooh, life is real. All of a sudden, they know that life is not about themselves. Men should do that as well. The problem happens in motherhood and fatherhood when they don't grow up and they stay always. It's going to be very messed up, but it's what happens in discipleship. Very dependent of their parents. And you know you don't have the mindset of a father and a mother. See, here's what happens. What would happen today, Kevin, if you lose your job? Is that I mean, what would happen to you if you lose your job? I just lost it. Did not lose it. it. Just lost my job. Okay, I have two kids and a wife. Chewy, you have two kids and a wife. What would happen if you lose your job? A ah, lot of best stuff. Right? <laughs> now you know it's hard. You worry. Man, you'd cry out. I know. You pray on your knees, right? You've been looking for a job eight hours a day. That's your job to find a job. See, if I lose a job and I don't have people to feed, if I don't have children, I could just crash on somebody's couch. I could eat top ramen, cup of noodles, maruchan. It's all the same to me. I had some and a little lemon, is all gravy, right? It's true or not, right? Hey, you know what? McDonald's for a couple weeks, not gonna kill me. It didn't kill me for the last 10 years, not gonna kill me now. That's what we think. When you have mouths to feed, now you become, now you become, yeah, responsible, response able, able to respond to the situation. Our problem, guys, as Christians, is not that you don't love God, that you don't love the church. The reason there's empty chairs today, this is a little guilt trip from a pastor, it is not reason there's no other invites today is because I'm a pastor, and you think you're not. That's a lie. I'm sorry to tell you, but when I stand in front of my king, he won't ask to see my paycheck and who wrote it. He won't ask you if Little Caesars wrote your paycheck. He'll ask you, who paid the price for you? And what did you do with the Jesus that hung on the cross? That I promise you. When you feel pressure from me to win souls and make disciples, I feel happy. Very happy. It's true. If I was pressuring you into cheating on your wife, drinking another all the one, not going to church because, you, you know, we tired. We worked hard during the week. Then I'd be feeling really stupid right now. But I'm not. Because, see, what I'm trying to get you to do is to stand in front of your creator who called you a royal priest, a chosen generation. He gave you a purpose, and that you could stand in front of him and say, Lord, this is what I did while I had time on earth. The same time that Billy Graham had and I'm going to stand by his side one day. I'm going to be in the same room, the same, <laughs> the same heavenly cafeteria. You know you're going to be in the same calf. Listen to this for a you You're going to be in the same calf as the Apostle Paul. You're going to be sitting and you're going to look at the bench of the Apostle. Ooh, how close can I sit to that one? You're going to look at the other bench or you're going to see the, the John, John Wesleys. Oh, man. You know, the Charles Spurgeons, the Catherine Coleman's. You're going to see Ruth on that side. You're going to see Moses right there. Dude, Elijah's. You're going to see the Apostle Paul sitting there. Man, I'm telling you, you're going to see people that you look at on TV, and you're going to be like, hey, where's that guy? Oh, he didn't make it. What? But you're going to be around people that are going to be like, yeah, I don't know if I could sit in this one. Do they have a kid's table? Why? Because you never grew up in your faith. Because you never realized that this church is not so you could like it, but you could be like Jesus. And if you think this is still about you, you got it all wrong. You don't come to service to be served, baby. You come to service to serve the Lord. The reason it's called service is so we can learn to serve the Lord. So the problem with a lot of us pastors is that we think that the more our church grows, the better we're doing as pastors. And that's such a lie. It's deceiving. The church will grow, praise God. But it cannot grow by attenders. Attenders simply attend. That's what you do. You're a tender. But a disciple of Christ shares the love of God with the rest of the world. doesn't mean you hit them with your Bible. You're saying, Amen, brother, hallelujah, all the time. Because that may work. It may not work in the setting that you're in. If I step into into a gym and I tell every guy, hallelujah to all these guys, they're going to be like, yeah, bro. We're going to go to the pool now. Do you have swimming trunks? No, yeah, we're going to go to the pool now. Right? Because it doesn't work like that. See, Christianity is not this religion that we make it out to be sometimes. It's the way you live. It's the way you represent the kingdom of God. I wish when I was younger, somebody would have preached a message to me that said, simply this, you are a pastor, live like it. You're a pastor, live like it. I don't care how old you are, I don't care if you're young or old. Go shepherd my sheep, Jesus would tell you. Yeah, but you don't know how, okay, let me put it like this. King David was a murderer, a rapist, and a liar. And I'm going to have to face him one day, so I'm not lying. I know it's true. And he knows it's true. He got called out by a prophet. And he said, darn, I got caught. And he had to repent. But you know why God calls him a man after God's own heart? Why God loves him so much that to his fourth, fifth generation, the blessings still are received by those that were linked to his lineage? What was it about this guy? Let me give you a secret. It wasn't that he was a great warrior because there was greater warriors than him, a.k.a. Samson. It wasn't because he was smart because his child, right, Solomon, was way smarter than him. It wasn't really, I mean, I'm telling you, it wasn't even that he was like influential because that influence God gave him. It was that he had a shepherd's heart. From the very beginning, he was always a little shepherd. Always had a shepherd's heart. Always. He said, this is what prepared him to be the king. Listen. What prepared him to be the king, it wasn't the training in the militia. It wasn't all these amazing, you know, scrolls that he read. It wasn't the way he looked. It wasn't his size. It wasn't how he was. What trained him to be the king was training to protect his sheep. It It was him saying, you know, When the lion and the bear came and took my sheep, I'd rip them out of their mouths. I just want you to think about that for a second. The boringness of shepherding. You're sitting there hours on end. And you're thinking, what am I doing? I should be playing something else. But see, this is what prepared David's heart. To be after God's own heart. See, God, in my Bible, is called the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Psalms twenty three, which is a psalm that my child is learning. Anybody know Psalms twenty three? Yeah, go Emily. Right there. The Lord is my, shepherd. Right <laughs> Lord is my shepherd. and I shall not want. What else? He leads me down, group pastor. I like nothing I shall want nothing. That's a new version. I like it. What else? Wonderful. Wow. Your spiritual mom is happy. Awesome. Okay, cool. So the whole thing but the Lord is my shepherd. And we think, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. God, give me your heart. I just don't want to shepherd people. Give me your heart. I just don't want to. A pastor once said, he said, I love the church. It's people I can't stand. (laughs) That's not a pastor, by the way. That sucks. I'm asking you a, a, a simple question. Are you living a shepherd's life or are you still living a sheep's life? There's some moment, men, raise your hand if you're a man in this room. Raise your hand if you're a man. All right, good, good, good. The difference between a boy and a man is the ability to respond to tougher and tougher situations. Because there's some men that are still boys. They still think like children and they can't handle it. And they freak out and they don't know what to do. It's true. It, it, look, It's true. But there's kids that had to grow up. And they can handle business like men should. Am I making sense? You know, in Christianity, it's the exact same thing. And I'm going to close with this because I'm getting hungry. (laughs) 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 Now, honestly, because I don't want to drag it on. I want you to be able to apply it. Here's what happens. At the end, it says, Once you were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is what God says to you and to me today. He says, look, you're special possession. You're my special people. I chose you. I called you. I sanctified you. The problem is this. You know the cross of Christ was the greatest example of love to the world. When you look at the cross... I heard this this weekend, and it it shocked me. It put everything together for me. I was like, that just bottled it all up. It's not spilling anymore. I get it. People come to the cross with different mindsets. And I'm going to go deeper into this subject, because it was just one tagline that I got, and it just unraveled a bunch of things that I began to put in my heart. The pastor said, the, the, the pastora Veronica, she said, some people come to the cross like Jesus. They come to the cross willing to lay on it, be crucified, and be used by God for the redemption of many. They're called to go to the cross and to die to themselves so they can live a life in God. But other people come to the cross like the soldiers. They come to the cross to cast lots, to see who gets the blessing, to see who gets the garments of Jesus. But they don't want to get on the cross and they don't want to pay the price. As I heard that, my heart was moved, was shaken. And I said, Lord, I never want to be the, the guy who calls God my ATM and says, God, I need your miracles. I want you to bless me. I want your garments. I want your garments of beauty. I want your garments of praise. I want your garments of peace. I want your garments of, of acknowledgement. I want your garments of recognition, of acceptance, of healing. I just don't want your cross. And Jesus would tell you today, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross And follow me. So music's gonna begin to play, but I don't want you to get distracted with that. I want you to think for just a second. Am I a shepherd or am I always gonna be a sheep? There's no better time. Ooh, it's hard to not get distracted. Is there's no better time than today to begin shepherding? See, because shepherding doesn't start when you know everything. Shepherding starts right the way. You know where it starts? People close to you, the nearest. Here's what happened when I became a dad. I could not depend on my child, my child must depend on me. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. Listen, if I depend on my son, then my son gets to call the shots. Let me tell you why. Because my son has been delegated to me by the Lord that I would be the greatest blessings that he has in your spiritual walk. In your spiritual walk, in your spiritual walk, please listen to this for just a second. Who do you have that you have decided that you will be the greatest blessings in their life? That even if they don't give you anything, you're going to feed them, you're going to love them, you're going to care for them. And even if they walk away, your heart will still be with them. Because that's what a father is, that's what a mother is. Even if you deny me, hey, you know what? I'm still going to pray for you. I'm going to love you to death. doesn't mean I'm going to walk in the club with you. It means my arms will be wide open waiting for you. When you realize that the world has nothing to offer and that in the house of God, you have everything you will ever need. See, that's what the heart of a father is. The heart of a mother tells you, look, I may not be as big as that guy, but I will tear him up if you ever get close to my baby. I'm gonna tell you a simple dumb story that just happened not too long ago. So there was a, a, a noise in my, in, my, in my backyard and as you guys know, this pastor has a gun. And so I went crazy at night because there's this crazy noise that we heard all the way from our bedroom and it was a wild noise. It was like, when he heard it and I heard it, and it was like, there's somebody there. And I said, yeah, it wasn't like, like a little noise. It was like a noise, you know, like a, like a big noise. And so I went and I got in the closet and I got whatever I had to get, if you guys know what I'm talking about. I went out there and I was like, okay, well, here we go. Here's, here's my thinking, okay? My thinking is, not, I'm going to kill somebody, I'm going to kill somebody. I think, I think, I have my two boys here and I'm my wife and then nobody's going to touch my wife. So I went out there and this is what I did. Listen, I have a door that goes out to the hallway and as soon as I walked through the door, I closed that door, Right behind me, and I stepped up, and I stepped forward, and I opened the back door. I cocked the gun. I said, chuck, chuck, and I said, and I said, I have a gun, and I cocked the gun. Now, when I look out there carefully and gun first, it was a cat trapped behind my trash cans. I was like, this cat. Okay, now it was pretty cool because this is this black cat and no I didn't shoot the cat. I'm not crazy. Alright? I wanted to, but I didn't. Okay? So this is what happens. Now I walk back in the bedroom and I don't know because I'm not waiting for my wife's reaction to be scared or anything. She's there in bed and she's like, Thank you. And I said, That's the first time I ever heard thank you because I pulled my gun out. You know, I said, thank you. And she said, Thank you for defending the house. I thought, Mm-mm-mm. I went out there all happy, I was flying. But you know what What I remembered? Closing the door behind me. For some reason, that image stuck to me. To me, that is what a father does. That's what a mother would do. I was telling Marcos of this story, this woman. We heard it a conversation, the 911 conversation. This guy tried to walk into this woman's house with a 19-inch knife, a hand knife, 19 inches of knife. Two guys trying to rob this woman. Her, her, her dad had just died, the, the husband had died of cancer that Christmas. And she had her like 19 month old baby, no, nine month old baby or something like that. And she's on the phone, and I wish I could play it for you. You could hear it later. She's on the phone with 911 saying, He's saying, There's somebody outside my house. There's a man outside my house. And she's like, But I have, a, I have two guns. She said, I have two guns. And I'm not advocating for guns. That's your own story. That's your own choice, seriously. But this is what this woman said. The 911 lady tells him, Honey, I need you to listen to me. Listen, you do whatever you have to do to protect your child. This woman, the man breaks the door with a 19-inch knife to attack this woman who didn't have a husband, who was there with her baby, and the woman shot the man. The other man turned himself in. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is a woman. This is a small girl, right? This, this small white girl. She looked like defenseless, but she was not defenseless. She said, I, I'm not, I don't feel bad about what I did, she says, because the man died. He said, I don't feel mad about what I did. He said, I had to do whatever I had to do to protect my baby. When I heard that, I was like, man, you, know, you got to remember, I'm preparing this sermon. I'm brewing all this stuff. When I hear that as I was going on my way back, you know, my, on, on our way back, I said, Lord, how many of our leaders can say, I do whatever I have to do to protect my spiritual kids? Man, I do whatever I have to do to protect my family. You know what? I will put myself, I'll close the door behind me so that people in front of me, so that people that are in there will not be harmed by the enemy. Well, the problem is, a lot of Christianity is very self-centered in the United States of America. We think, because we live in a very capitalistic society, individualistic society, that life is about us. But I close with this, I promise you. When you get to heaven, it won't be about your pastor. It won't be about the U.S. It will be about you and the Lord who loves you and the calling he gave you. I have great news for you. Your family is your first ministry. The people that are near you, those are the people you love, you pastor, you shepherd. After that, That will give you more and more and more and more and more influence. Now what happens is this. Sometimes we don't feel like we're doing a good job here so we don't do it anywhere else. And I think that's very unfair for everywhere else. It's very unfair for the person that needs something. But because you feel bad about yourself, you stay stuck on you and you don't bless somebody else. What I've noticed is this. The people that launch and go forward, their deficiencies many times are covered By the Lord. And the Lord says, I'll fix you. I'll help you. I'll pick you up. I'm going to train you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Because you and I are working in partnership. This is not just you doing it. See how good you do. And if you don't do good, I'm going to do a performance review. And then I'm going to flunk you. He says, no, you and I are working in partnership. Let's do this together. I want you to stand up with me for a second, please. And I want to tell you that I don't want to lose my family. I will refuse to pastor a church of thousands by myself. Because that is not the way Jesus would do it. A lot of pastors lose their children because they think they're Superman. And their kids hate the ministry because it robbed their parents from them. Listen to what I'm telling you. There's wisdom behind this. I didn't come up with it. I saw it by people making the same mistake over and over. I am not the only pastor in this church. I am not the only pastor in this church. If you have that argument... Please feel free to talk to me. But I am not the only pastor in the church. Did I quit my job to do this full time? Yes, I did. But I was pastoring way before that. By the way, it wasn't easy. And I would do it again 10 times. It was not easy. And I would do it again 10 times. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. You're a pastor. You are a pastor. When you listen to a sermon, it's not just so you could like it. So you could apply it so that your life will be blessed, so your children will be blessed. The more you could apply the word of God, the more you can become an ambassador of the Lord. So here's what I'm going to do. It's a very different service today, isn't it? I'm glad there's not that many new people because they're freak out. They're like, "Well, call me to be a pastor. I don't even know if I like this. You know what I mean? But you're here. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you want to accept the call of God in your life, if you want to accept the call to shepherd sheep. Now, I'm not telling you you have to have your 12 because, by the way, that's our heart. That every person here would have at least 12 men, 12 women. If you're a man, 12 guys. If you're a woman, 12 women that you're leading, caring. Why 12? Because Jesus had 12. Now if you get to 11, praise God, you got to 11. Better than 4, better than 2, better than 1, better than 0. Am I making sense? Man, our goal and our standard is to get to that place. But if your excuse is, well, I can't have that. Well, you can have that. I have a video. And I don't have time to show it. Her name is Teresita. She's 87 years old. 87 years old, I think. You guys just saw her in the Whittier Convention. This Filipino lady, she has 19 women in her cell group. She has her 12 already. I was like, what? And she's so happy. She's like 87 years old. He's like, yeah. He's like, is it 87 or 82? Anything above 80 is a lot, you know? And she said, yeah, I got my 19 women. And I was like, Teresita, you're awesome. You're my argument breaker. And she just laughs. You're my argument breaker. You're the one who tells us. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how much strength, how much time you may not have. You have a God in you who loves you, who cares for you. Pour it out. I would say this to you and to any other church, to any other ministry, because I believe that at the end of this story, the CFF story, and there will be a day where you and I will no longer be here, but generations will be, that they get and they understand oh, it wasn't about a legend, it was a legacy. Making sense? It wasn't about some guys that grew and did this awesome ministry somewhere over there that had great bands and great singing and great preaching and great. No, no, no. There's a generation that was left behind that were not fatherless Christians, but there are people that have spiritual parents, spiritual mothers, and they're loved and blessed that way. Close your eyes, please. Let's pray. God, we don't want to come to your cross for your garments. We're going to come to the cross for your heart. Dear God, I pray right now that everyone that is in here, every woman, every man that is listening to this message, whether they're new to this ministry or not, I pray, God, that every single one of us could understand that you called us as a royal priesthood, as a chosen generation, a holy nation set apart for you. If the enemy has told them, Lord, that they are not called by you, that they're just average people who are just trying it out, I cancel those words in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare that in their hearts, your word is sown. And no, the sun will not scorch it. That seed that was sown will not be choked by the thorns and the thistles of the world. I declare, God, right now that it is sown in good soil, not on rocks. It will give fruit a hundredfold. I pray, God, right now that every woman that is in this place would desire to mother not just her own children, but many people that are out there that are young and old and that are hurting and that are needing someone to pray and love them and look after them and believe in them when they don't believe in themselves, that are struggling with depression, many times even suicide, that they feel like their lives are over and, God, you still have so much to give them, to show them, to do with them. I pray for the man in this place, God, right now, that if there's someone here, one man, that says, I realize I have not been walking as a priest. I've been walking as a leech, as a leech. I've been mooching off my family. I've been mooching off the church. I've been just receiving and not giving. I pray right now that you, you bring conviction through their hearts. That you show them that they're meant to be givers, protectors, lovers. People that are truly, genuinely interested in the development of others, not just themselves. Forgive us if we have adhered the wrong things from this American culture. We have grabbed onto to the wrong things if we lost the concept of family and the concept of caring for one another. If we thought, God, that it was just about me, my career, my finances, my house, my car, God, I ask you that you bring the kingdom of culture back into our minds. That you let us see, God, that it is not my, 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 it is you, 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 therefore us, us, us. God, I pray right now that every man and every woman in this place can become spiritual parents to people that desperately need the Lord. God, I pray right now that you would train us to be the best parents so that when our children are born, we would already have years of training, of selflessness, of giving, of kindness, of fighting the right battles, of choosing our battles. Holy Spirit, forgive us if we neglected the most important thing, and that is your heart. Your heart, God, displayed by the Spirit of God, enforced by your word. Here's a prayer of consecration to you. If you want to take it, it's yours. I'd like to pray for anyone who wants to accept the call of a priest, first to their family, to their jobs, and to the ends of the world. When Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples all over the world. He meant your family. He meant your job. You're not there to make money. That's a byproduct. You're a missionary to wherever you go. To school, you think you're there to study. How easy is that? Anyone can do that. You're there to be a light in the midst of darkness. God, I pray right now that anyone who wants to pray this prayer, that you would hear them from heaven, that you help them develop into that may this never be confused by some radical message or some radical guy, but it's simply your word. It's all over. It's everywhere, God. I pray right now that anyone that is here that may have an argument, that they can go to your word, not to the TV, not to books, just your word, and to see what you expect of them as, child, as children of God. And here it is. If you want to pray this prayer, simply repeat with me as a prayer of accepting your call in Christ. Tell him, Jesus Christ, today... I accept my call as a child of God. I'm a royal priest. I'm a chosen generation, a holy nation. Dear God, show me your heart towards other people. Help me, God, to love others as you love them. Dear God, thank you so much for all you've done for me. May I never believe... That it was just for me. Help me to do the same with other people. Dear God, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I don't just want your garments. I also want your heart. I accept my call as a shepherd to thousands and thousands. Help me grow, God. Help me grow, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Give God a round of applause. I'm going to leave you with a, a blessing. It's a really, really cool blessing. Um, as you guys came today, you pay the price. And it's amazing that you're here today in church. But um, for any of you that are, that are here and that you're like, maybe you've been struggling to do your devotionals or struggling to, do, to read the Bible, I encourage you guys to do something. Finish this month strong. Even if you kind of let up, finish the month strong. We're all reading the Bible. Raise your hand if you've still been doing the devotionals every day. Okay, the rest of you guys, don't feel bad. Jump in it again. Read the Word of God again. Because eventually, here's what's going to happen. As you read the Word of God, here's what's going to happen. It'll push sin out of your life. It'll pull the purpose of God in you. And I'm telling you, sometimes, sometimes, the only thing that can take away that nasty old lifestyle... I wish it was all immediate, but many times it is a process, and it is only the cleansing through the word of God. The Bible says, "What can a man, how can a man clean his ways or, or wipe his ways clean?" And it is by knowing his word, by adhering to the word of God. In Spanish, "con qué limpiará el hombre su camino, con guardar su palabra." We have to guard, protect the word of God in our hearts. Is that okay? God bless you guys. And we-